call her small boy or girl, brown, pink or black or white. And welcome back to Barn Banter, the podcast for children's musicians by me, Cowboy Andy, a children's musician. And today we're talking about, or we're talking to someone who's uh, who has expertise on a regular basis of working with children with special needs, which is something that I, all of us, it's sooner or later, if you pick up a guitar or an accordion or a tambourine, if you step out there, you're going to encounter children of all different levels, of all different, uh, with, with different types of disabilities, and being able to feel comfortable around them and bring them, include them into the, the group, I think is tremendously important. And I have no formal training on it. I just sort of do what feels good and comes natural. But I wanted to talk to somebody who has a little bit more specific expertise and wisdom in this area. So, everybody, please join me in welcoming Kathy Sherman to the podcast. Hello, Kathy. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And how are you? I'm doing great. And uh, just as a uh, just as a little disclaimer here, because I'm in the mountains of Montana and the internet connection, I swear is like through a straw, you know, and not a big straw, like one of those little red straws that they use for coffee. You know, that's how it feels sometimes. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be some audio technical difficulties, so don't worry about that. I can still hear you. Hopefully, you can still hear me. But I just had to I get that out of the way. Okay, terrific. <laughs> Kathy, you are, first off, you're uh, a multi-instrumentalist. As far as yes. I've been able to research and find out about you, you've been performing since you were like 10 or 11 years old. You have a really long <laughs> career in the music industry. Not, I Not do. without giving out, I don't know how old you are. You could be 18, and it would still be <laughs> a long career in the music industry. And uh, you, you just recently released an album, relatively speaking, on, yes. it's a collection of folk songs for preschool children, that sort of thing. Right. Yes. And so, I, actually, actually, I have two. I have one. I have uh, one that's called "Let's Sing," which is a sing-along song for preschool children, probably up through second grade. And the new one that's coming out is international children's music, called "Let's Sing Songs from Around the World." Oh wow! And that was an interesting challenge, teaching children from our area how to sing in different languages. But it was so much fun. Oh, neat. Yeah. Now, uh, this podcast is probably going to drop sometime in the first quarter of 2020. So okay. when you say coming out soon, let's uh, just sort of date stamp it. When, when should we expect to be able to have that album out for listening uh, pleasure? Act- Actually, last month, <laughs> December ni- December 2019, it'll be out. Oh, cool. Okay, so, so there we go. Yes. And, uh, yeah, so that's, uh, that was my, my goal in that was actually, instead of having synthesizers with everything that you hear, all the music that you hear, I really tried to use authentic instruments, authentic instrumentation, um, and to really get the feel of what you would hear if you were he- listening to a native um, uh, player play the music and, and, of course, having the kids sing along. So mm. that was my goal for that. Wow. That's, yes. that's pretty cool. Considering, you, I guess you had two choices, record it locally with local kids and figure that out, or you would have just had to travel around the world. Right. And, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Interesting choice there. Kathy. Right, right. There were there. Yeah, it really wasn't a choice. But yes. So That's let's let's talk a little bit. I'd like to give you a couple minutes to talk about where where you started with music, and uh, and specifically along your path, how you you know how did you end up singing to children? Yeah. Well, I've you know as you know I've been a, a performer for many many years, and I actually. Was used to perform in Hollywood um, in uh, a Greek nightclub there. I am not Greek. I just grew up listening to the music, and I've always loved it. So I, of course, became a bazooki player because that's what all good, you know, people who like Greek music do. Mm-hmm. I'm being sarcastic there. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> um, but I've enjoyed uh, a very long career playing Greek music. Um, when my and I've always, of course, loved folk music of any type. Um, when my children were in preschool, um, I found this organization called Music for Minors, as I'd mentioned before, that goes into classrooms and teaches music to children K through three. And of course, I just I had to jump in on that because I just love singing. I love playing for my kids, um, and we. Uh, that's kind of how it started. Um, when we had a teacher in our uh, school district who taught in the preschools, she was a, an older woman. And after she retired, I, I went to the principal of the school and said, hey, do you need someone to come in? And they said, absolutely. So I started teaching um, young fives and transitional kindergartens. And then in the middle of the school year, our um, music therapist quit, and they said, can you teach um, our special needs children? And I said, I do not have the training for that. However, I will give it my best shot. And that's how I started. And I asked a ton of questions. Um, So first of all, what I'd like to say about this is that the school district that I'm in is fantastic for early intervention um, for children, especially on the autism spectrum. So we have a class of three-year-olds, a class of four-year-olds, primarily autistic. Um, however, we've had Down syndrome, um, children. Uh, I, one of my favorite students was a blind boy who at three years old could speak four different languages and express himself so well. And he just, he was phenomenal. And in the school, you know, three years old, they're teaching him how to use a cane. They're teaching him how to really maneuver. Um, He's in a four-year-old class right now. um, And it's it's a mixed class of uh, uh, regular preschoolers and then kids from the special needs, he's doing great. Um, I've had newly hearing children who haven't really learned how to process, do auditory processing. Um, So it's been a real interesting um, road to working with these children because they're so different. Their needs are so completely different even if they're on the autism spectrum, they're so different. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Um, I also have a group of kids, this is privately um, eight-year-old children who are 
uh, neurally uh, challenged, I guess they call them neuroatypically uh, challenged kids. Um, one is not verbal. Um, I have a set of twins in that class who um, one has some cerebral palsy as well as having um, uh, auditory processing issues and another child who's fairly high-functioning uh, autistic. So, um, so it's been a real interesting, as I said before, it's been an interesting challenge. I've been doing this now for six years. Okay. And um, what our school district has, and I, I mentioned it's an early intervention program, they call it the Learning Center. Um, I could not do this if we didn't have aides in the classroom that are working with the children. So um, depending on how highly functioning the children are, there will be one aide per child. Hmm. Um, uh, some of the children cannot stand still. Some of them cannot stand sounds. So they have headphones that they put on. Um, some have to chew. And I guess as a musician... So as a teacher, the first thing you have to remember is that it's not about you. When the children aren't paying attention, that's okay. <laughs> that's mm -hmm. completely normal. When they are uh, having a tantrum, it's you just keep going. Um, so that was that was the first thing uh, that I learned very quickly. Um, there are. Uh, children who are nonverbal, but they still love to make noise. Um, so it's always good to have a, sh a shaker, a jingle stick, um, a little drum, uh, something like that that they can play along with. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. And um, I mean, I know I'm talking just a lot well, here, no. and I hope I'm not dribbling. <laughs> no, you're, you're doing fine. What you're, what you're helping me with is start to kind of define the conversation. Because okay. what you've done is you've, you've kind of walked through basically some of the big, big, uh, big things that I think are important to know when getting into this. And, and now what I'd like to do is pivot a bit and let's say, and, and I'm going to try and take you into some specific situations Okay. And and say, okay, well, in this situation with this activity going on, what would you recommend or or how would this work? And really my, I don't want to say my concern, I guess my emphasis is, oh, is how does everybody who's in the room for the music event or, or puppet show or whatever, or storytelling, whatever the uh, the entertainment or activity is, how does everybody who's there, performer, parent, child, teacher, librarian, uh, event organizer, how do they all come out feeling good? How does this? How can this be a positive situation for everybody involved? And my my take it my my side of it is as the entertainer. I don't want to I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I want everybody to have a great time, and so I may always come back to that sort of perspective. But right. let's let's start with. Um, the, the just the workaday musician who pops into a library a couple times a month for for song for song hour, okay. and they and they drop into there's a couple pre Ks that they go to, just starting out they have a guitar and eighteen songs and some hard books that they like to sit you know and read. 
So in that situation, when they come in and they've had no prior exposure in that intimate sort of setting, down on the floor with children, when when they encounter some uh, a child with special needs, should they? Is this something that they would address with, let's say, the librarian or the parent, or, or how, what's the what's the best way to enter into that situation? Well, I would say. Um, <clears throat> First of all, it might not be obvious because a lot of children with autism won't start showing, you won't know that they are on the spectrum until you're singing and um, they might not, they might just might not show it. Um, If there's a chance to just speak with the parents very quickly, right, you introduce yourself and you say, um, are there any special needs that I should know about before proceeding? And then you might have a parent say, yes, my child is very sensitive or, or something like that, or my child loves to get up and dance or, and might be disruptive. Um, most parents or caretakers will, will let you know and uh, because they're, they're used to this. They're used to the strange stares that they'll get in the supermarket when their kid is throwing a fit. You know, you just, um, I think that would be a good way to start just in general. Um, then another thing to consider, and, and also I think prior to going in, if you're just getting booked for the first time, let's say in, in a situation, it might be a good idea to talk to the librarian and find out are there any children with special needs that generally come to these? And um, what do you think is the best way to address those? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. just doing a little bit of research prior, um, I think, would go a long way um, okay. for that. Once, um, uh, yeah, go ahead. Go, when, the, when the performance begins then, and you start rolling into your set of songs, um, is there anything that you, as you bring music to to schools or you're working specifically with with uh, children with special needs, is there anything that you specifically avoid or any, I don't want to say tricks, but how do you, when you get into the routine of performing and doing it, maybe call and response and that sort of thing, is there anything that you found really helpful, especially, and I'm just looking at those really small intimate three or four child type situations. Right. Okay. Well, first of all, if you do a call and response, you won't get a response. It's very very unlikely that you will get a response from the children, but you will get it from the caretakers and from the parents. Mm -hmm. So that is really important because then they're going to model for the children what they should be doing. So you might not get a response the first time. So you say, you know, maybe I am a pizza and then you stop and no, no, you don't, you know, then there's the thud, right? Mm -hmm. And you can, can you repeat after me? I am a pizza. And then you'll hear, I am a pizza. And you can start from that with extra cheese and then with extra cheese and, and you can work it that way. Um, it's very important uh, to be super flexible with with something like that, um, I would say, okay, so if you are going into a situation like that where you suspect there might be children with special needs, and specifically, I would say, on the autism spectrum, then I would say 
take your set list and you can have it, but don't expect to follow it because you never know what might happen. Um, and, and I can actually give you an example of this today, actually, in my class. We, um, I got in, I, I was going to do some Thanksgiving songs with the kids, and two of them were having tantrums just right away. They walk in the class, and they are crying inconsolably, and the, and the teacher's looking at me, and the aides are looking at me, and they're just, you know, sh shrugging their shoulders, and so there goes the songs, and I start with um, very, very gently, very softly, Mary had a little lamb, little lamb. We just started with that, mm -hmm. and then we did, one, one kid had his little zebra uh, animal with him. He wouldn't let it go, and so I started, there was a farmer had a zebra, and bingo was his name, oh, you know, mm -hmm. and you just kind of improvise to what the kids are showing at the time. All the songs were low-key, soft, um, just, it almost became background music as the children finally settled down and settled in. And by the time I was done, they were, you know, everyone was feeling better. The teachers were feeling better. The children were feeling better. Mm -hmm. And, um, but if I had gone with my regular program, it just would have been a, a screaming match the whole time. So that's, uh, that's something to keep in mind that you should have. And we used to call them back pocket songs, songs that you could just pull out. Um, if things just go sideways, right. that will have a calming effect. Um, one of the things that I would like to point out also, and, and this I find is true with all children, all pre-K children, but also with, um, especially with children with disabilities, is to have the songs, um, we call it multimodal songs. Okay. So you have hand motions with almost all the songs you do, even if they don't make sense. You... You, I am a pizza, and you make a great big round uh, 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 circle with your arms. You know, with extra cheese, you show on putting cheese on there. Mm -hmm. From tomato sauce, squeeze. You're squeezing hands. You know, you're 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 doing things with your hands as well as singing the songs, which makes playing guitar or banjo or whatever difficult. But you learn where you can strum and where you have to do hand motions. Right. And that is a that's a very important thing to uh to do as well. Now, why uh, forgive me for not understanding more about oh, about the topic, but why why is that important? Well, you're trying to fire as many neurons as possible. Okay. So, um singing is is one way of expressing yourself, moving your hands is another so you're adding another dimension to go with the singing it's it's almost as if you are when you're reading a when you're showing a book uh and you're singing the book um that is also that's another uh way of doing a multimodal uh presentation so the children are actually seeing they're having a visual um stimulation as well as the song mm. Um, so this is, um, you know, 
stomping your feet or, or be, becoming kind of dramatic and letting the kids have that kind of um, uh, ability to mimic what you're doing as well. Okay. Um, also, putting songs, um, one of the things that I like to do is, is uh, let's say we're warming up and I like to use the Rafi song, I'm in the mood for singing. Um, I'll say things like, I'm in the mood for hot chocolate. Hey, how about you? And then I'll tell the kids, okay, imagine your hand is cupped around a warm cup of hot chocolate and you blow across the top and everyone goes, then you take a deep breath in and you go, "Mm," and all the kids are doing that. And of course it serves to warm up their voices, but also it gives them that little extra sensory push to to think about the smell of the hot chocolate and how it's going to taste and how it feels warm in their hands. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're trying to add some of these different modalities to your songs to make them so that the kids, if they don't understand the words, let's say, they might understand something else. You, you try to give them something else and just another level of understanding that will go with the music. So I've I I totally hear you and that makes a lot of sense. The balance that I've found when I've gone I, I have played libraries, I have played small events and pre-case stuff like that. And when I go in, one of the the mistakes that I made early doing this is start on a scale of one to 10, as far as engagement and activity and brightness, started somewhere around seven, went up to nine or 10, and just sort of stayed there, you know, as far as the interactivity and the excitement and the movement. And a lot of the movement stuff that I was doing in the songs were not, you know, sit on sit on your bottom and do hand motions and sing. They were stand up, spin, right move around. And as you right. were, as you're uh, during this conversation as you were saying that I'm like that's not a very good idea to get into this <laughs> perpetual like, you know, it's because I saw the consequences of like, well, we're going to have to stop the set because uh, you know, young Betty just bunked her head just, into the counter. Yeah, you know, <laughs> right, you know, a couple kids headbutt each other on accident or maybe that was on purpose, Betty. And you know, you're like, okay, so we're going to take a break while somebody gets uh, an ice pack. And, you know, hey, look, it's story time or you know, something like that. But what it seems like, and again, I don't know any of this. And so I'm relying on you to help gently inform me. You, right. you probably, is it appropriate to get full body excitement, jumping jack songs going? And then Not- if you do, can you pull it back with a, with okay. a Mary Had a Little Lamb? Right. So when I teach my regular preschool classes, we always do a dance somewhere in there. Um, we'll we'll jump. We we're working on the hokey pokey right now. You know, mm-hmm. um, we'll do circle dances. We'll do um, just just things to get the kids up and moving and singing while they're moving, clapping while they're moving because that is something that not everybody can do. My husband, for example, cannot <laughs> clap and sing at the same time. We won't so tell I, anybody. That's 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 okay. I am bound and determined that every one of these children can sing, walk and clap and sing at the same time. <laughs> um, so anyway, the um, so that again, the the kids that I teach, the preschoolers, the threes and the four year olds, 
they do not get up and dance because they are in chairs. Um, and this is something that's very challenging for the aides is to get them seated in the first place. Some of them have weighted blankets on them. Some of them have attached uh, tabletops uh, that they put on the chairs so they, um, they're they not able to get up and move around. Now, there are kids in my uh, young fives and transitional kindergarten classes that are being uh, mainstreamed into the classes. So they still have aids. They can get up. For the most part, they can get up and walk uh, and, and dance around. I have one child that's not mobile, so he can't do that, obviously. But uh, we, um, um, for very, very young kids that are on the spectrum, you want to have them seated um, and keep it just with their hands. And oftentimes they, they won't do it, do things with their hands anyway. They'll want to play with a squishy or, or you know, snap a rubber band or, or something like that. Um, but some of them do. Um, I think, yeah, it's it. That's probably not a good idea to get up to ten with the kids. Right. Um, not at least unless you know them really well and they've had you for a long time. So, um, for me, I'll start at about a five, maybe, mm-hmm. and go up to a seven on the activity level, and it may be even get up a little crazier. I've got some, some really absolutely crazy songs. And then when I leave though, the teachers hate it. If I leave the kids really hyped up. Right. <laughs> right. Like, well, I mean, it's, it's, going, Don't be, do that. Well, yeah, to be fair, it's really kind of disrespectful <laughs> to be, to, to disrupt in that way, I think. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think that that's absolutely <laughs> true. So <laughs> it's so, kind of fun sometimes to do that, like at a library <laughs> gig, because you get this, you know, stink eye on the way out from the reading right. section. <laughs> Uh, they never asked uh, me no. back. <laughs> <laughs> no, but really, we we end when I end my classes with the with the special needs kids. I will end it with ABCs and with Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, mm-hmm. and then I have a I sing the uh, Arlo Guthrie. You know, so I sing so long. It's been good to see ya. So long. It's been good to see ya. So long. It's been good to see ya. It's time to be traveling along. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason I started with that song is I had met a young man who who was definitely on the spectrum, and he was about nine years old. I got to be very close friends with his parents. Uh, his dad is a brilliant banjo builder in um, in uh, Oregon, and the son really um, hated it when people said goodbye because he was afraid that he would never see that person again. Mm-hmm. So we, his mom would say, "No, just say see you later," and he goes, "Okay, see you later," and that was the way that it made it made him feel like he wasn't going to be losing a person in his life. Mm-hmm. And that song, thats I just started saying that with the kids. You know, it's, it's been good to see you, um, you know, and I'm traveling along to the next class, and I'll see you next week. Mm-hmm. And it just um, makes the kids feel like it's just not a one-off thing. They know that I'm coming back. Oh, nice. Yeah. Let's... 
let's move into a different area then. You, okay. It sounds like a lot of your expertise is one-on-one with classes in a very specific situation where you know who you're going in to entertain. Yes, yes. So, and I think, and and maybe, well, we could talk about this now. Uh, if that is going to be your job as a musician, there are resources for you besides this podcast that you should probably check out. <laughs> Do you have any of those quick suggestions? And um, for, for listeners, this is the, yes, get the pencil and paper time because somebody's about to say something that you want to write down. Uh, well, I think the first resource is to talk with the teachers and the aides mm-hmm. and ask a ton of questions. They um, are not, I'm not sure if they're allowed to tell you specifically issues, um, but you can ask what do they respond to? What songs would you like me to sing? Um, what would you like me to accomplish? Um, and I get lots of good feedback from the teachers and from the aides. Um, then, as far as I, I found a really, really interesting book um, that's called uh, Different Drummer by Jeff Strong. And it has a subtitle, One Man's Music and Its Impact on ADD, Anxiety, and Autism. And it's a fascinating study. He, he's a drummer, and he started working with children who had a lot of uh, tics, a lot of anxiety, and he would talk with them. They would just have a session with him, and he would just start drumming. He'd do hand drumming. Um, and he would try out different rhythms, and oftentimes the rhythms um, were not cyclical. He would do things in 11 and then in a 9, and then he would throw in a 2 or a 3 and um, see how the child would start to react and then work with the parents making a recording of the drumming that he did with the children to see how they felt and he then started having the parents play this, play these for the kids before they go to bed, um, and finding that the children were a lot more rested in the morning. They were able to fall asleep. They were able to really calm some of the um, anxiety that they were feeling. I-, I thought it was just a brilliant study. Wow. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, and that was called, that, that book is called? D- Different Drummer. And it's by Jeff Strong. Okay. And you can get it on Kindle Unlimited, which Ooh. is uh, nice. Yeah. yeah. If you have a, a Kindle, you can get it for free. It's a fascinating, fascinating book. So, um, <clears throat> any other resources, any uh, online training or websites or, or anything like that that you've gone to? And if the answer is no, that's totally cool. The answer is no. Yeah. Again, um, <clears throat> Like I said, the best resources are the the people that are working with the children every day because they're the ones that can really tell you what they need, how the kids are feeling. Um, We had a new child in one of my classes today. I was doing Old MacDonald, and I I said, what, you know, Old MacDonald? And I said, on his farm he had a – and then I'll let the children – tell me what they have. And I looked at this boy and the aides looked at me and they said, we don't know if he can speak yet. Mm. Yeah. So 
that I, that I thought, okay, I should have. I wish I'd known that prior. But it yeah. was that. That's just um, the kind of challenges you run into. Um, we do have a, a speech uh, um, therapist on um, on our staff, and I I have asked her for ideas of what she would like. Um, the very first song she said, uh, Old MacDonald, she said, that is a great song for speech therapy mm-hmm. because of the E-I-E-I-O. Uh, Who knew? Right. right. <laughs> no. Who knew? Right. Um, Wheels on the Bus, another brilliant song just in terms of the hand motions. You are crossing that midline and doing all that stuff. And, then, and every kid knows that. Mm-hmm. But again, back to resources. Um, again, I, I just, I don't have a website that I would go to. Um, I did not, I was not specifically trained in this. This again, is just something that I was kind of thrust upon me. Please help us out. Mm-hmm. And it worked. Mm. And, you know, and, and just, again, it's just asking a lot of questions, getting a lot of input from the teachers and the aides. They're the front line. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm in a great school district for that. Let's jump back to just something that you mentioned there, uh, crossing the midline. Yeah. What, what, do you, what is the definition of that? All right. So actually you have two midlines in your body. You've got the horizontal one mm-hmm. and then you've got the vertical one. And the vertical one is, is the when, – when you've got the two halves of your brain – and your left half pretty much controls your right side of the body, and your right half controls your left side of the body. It's kind of a strange anomaly there. And then you have this little bundle of fibers in the middle called the corpus callosum. Mm-hmm. And that will attach. That's the thing that, that lets the right and the left side hemispheres of your brain connect with each other. So when you are crossing over, let's say you take your right hand from your right knee and then you touch your left shoulder with it, that's crossing the midline and that is helping create a connection in between the two lobes of your brain. Hmm. Um, so that's a lot of what I do is the... Um, is for neural development, especially for the very young children, whether they're neurotypical or not. Um, So wheels on the bus, when you go round and round and you have your hands slightly crossed over each other and you make that round motion, Mm -hmm. um, you have your open and shut. You've got the bus driver saying, move on back. You've got your wipers going swish, 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 and you're doing this with your hands across your body. All of that is helping to make those connections um, between your your two hemispheres. Oh, okay. Now, at the beginning of the school year, I did a. I, I wanted to see at what age the kids do that comfortably, and I actually got this from watching a small um, video from the Children's Music Network from their featured presenter where you have the kids touch their knee and then cross over their body and touch the opposite shoulder. So right hand, left shoulder, left hand, right shoulder. And I would put some music on, like a classical piece of music, and I'd have the kids try that. And oddly enough, 
or not oddly enough, actually, it just surprised me to see that the children that were under four could not do it easily. Hmm. They would touch their right hand and then they would touch their right shoulder. <laughs> you know, getting them to go to their left shoulder was a real challenge. So I'm interested in revisiting this uh, at the end of the semester, at the end of the school year, to see how many of the kids now can do that. Right, to see how they, yeah. to see if they've if they've been able to learn that on a biophysical right. level, exactly, a level, wow, in a okay. neurological level, exactly, right exactly. Yeah, well, that's part of teaching preschool kids is you really have to be aware of that neural development. Mm -hmm. um, back to the neuroatypical kids, the, the autistic children specifically, I have not been able to successfully do that with them. Mm. Uh, I've been able to do that with the five-year-olds that are in the pre-K uh, class, young fives class, but not with the, the very young children. Mm. That's just not the kind of thing that they are interested in mm -hmm. or, or are being able to observe. Right. When... Um... <sighs> Uh, uh, we were talking, you were talking about speech therapy and you were yeah. talking about old McDonald. Yes. And have you, um, do you, do you remember Casey Kasem? The, the, oh gosh, yes. Okay. <laughs> so um, I believe on your new album that you're about to release, there is a version of the old McDonald song, isn't there? Yes, there is. Right. Is, is it, is that the uh, Coco Rocky? Tokokoraki, yeah, it's in, it's in Greek. It's yes. in Greek, okay. It's in Greek. So what I'd like to do right now is I'm going to, uh, I think we should hear that song, don't you? Oh, thank you, yes, indeed. Totally. Okay, so I'm going to give you the opportunity to do Casey Kasem on your own song. Ah, all right, <laughs> listeners. Okay, here we go. Okay, all right, right. Okay. okay, tell me what. And go. All right, listeners, we have for you a very special version of the Greek Old MacDonald called Tokokoraki. Listen and enjoy. <laughs> O panta pao, kira nusto pazari, ta sua goraso, mia kotula. I kotula, kokoko, to kokoraki, kikirikiki, na seksinai, kathebroi. O tanta pao, kira nusto pazari, ta sua goraso, mia gatula. Gatula, miau, miau. Ikotula, kokoko. Tokokora, kiki, kiki, kiki. Na sexy na ikatebroi. O tanta pao, kira musto pazari. Tasuago raso, ena pulaki. Topulaki, tiu, tiu. Ikatula, miau, miau. Ikotula, kokoko. Tokoraki, <laughs> 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 
Pazari, Pasuagoraso, and Naskilaki. Toskilaki, yow, yow. Poturuni, groots, groots. Populaki, tiu, tiu. Igadula, yow, yow. Igotula, co, 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 Tanta pau, kiramos to pazari, tasuagoraso, eme kokoraki. To kokoraki, kikirikiki, nasexinai, kate proi. Wow, that was really a great song. <laughs> <laughs> Why, thank you. Cool, I love technology. We can just drop a song in the middle of the conversation. Uh, if only we could drop an ATM machine in the middle of the conversation. Oh, well, anyway. So, okay, so, no. Exactly. Exactly. Hey, my guitar case is open. Right. So, this is the this is the part where oh boy, we're going to cross the midline of the conversation where we say, okay. okay, let's take what you've taught us about working with children with special needs or special or specific uh, developmental disabilities. And you do it in a very specific situation where that's expected you walk in there you know basically maybe not what challenges you're going to 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 find or what needs you're going to satisfy because i don't like to think of it as challenges it's just what we do right and but on on my side i get called to do a a gig with a parks and rec okay it's the fall fest it's one of my favorite things we come in and there's a little small stage we set up our pa we're going to play for two hours it's going to be kind of our rock and roll thing and it's going to be full of dance and singing and and everything like that now sounds awesome oh it's totally fun right (laughs) everything but fireworks and so what but what i want to know is when i'm up there behind the mic and i launch into it and i'm having a great time and if there are children there and there have been children before and and uh, and adults and just people in general with developmental disabilities or some special need, and I want to make sure that they're enjoying the performance too. That I'm being as inclusive and respectful with everybody in the crowd as possible. So when it's a mixed group and I have no control over the setting, but I do have a certain amount of expectations to deliver a performance, what would you suggest? I how how would you suggest I approach this then? Ooh, that is a tough one. Um, oh, man. Um, or as a follow-up, do I even need to worry about it? So I, well, you know, you're, you, since you are on stage, and, and so there is that bit of distance between you and your audience, you can't say, hey, uh, are there any special requests? You, you, you can't say that in, in that kind of situation. Or can you? I don't know. Um, <clears throat> but you do you do originals, yeah, and you're you're yes. doing rock and roll and so on. So I don't think uh, I really don't think that there is anything special that you need to do other than what you do and what you do well, because that it's not going to be your responsibility to address every type of problem or issue or expectation that a, a particular parent will have with their child. Well, I, as you were saying, that that was that sort of felt like the self-evident it, answer. Yeah. And it's like, the, oh, you're right. I can't really anticipate you, this. 
You can't, um, unless someone tells you ahead of time, because you're not a mind reader. You can s- watch your audience. I mean, obviously you do. That's the, this on stage is the best seat in the house as far as people watching goes. Mm-hmm. And you can see if there are children that are having issues with what you're doing, let's say they're, they're putting their hands over their ears or something like that, you, you know that there's a specific decibel level that you need to have to bring your music across. And that would be the, the time when the parent should have foreseen that and had a uh, had headphones for their kids to cover them up mm-hmm. cover their ears up and they make wonderful headphones for the children that do exact j- exactly for that purpose you just um so no it's not i don't think it's on you as a performer mm-hmm. i think for you as a performer you need to do what you do it sounds like um you have a lot of fun and it is high energy and it's and and people are dancing and twirling and you know hopefully this is the kind of thing that the that kids and parents are doing together. I mean parents aren't just dropping their kids off and leaving, right? Uh I would say 56% of the time no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well if it's a farm cuz it, we play like farmers markets and things like that. Right. Where, yeah, you yeah. just get kids wandering up and um the other one of the last shows we played, we had this like three of our favorite fans came and they brought the newborn baby in the stroller and parked it right in front of the PA. Whoa. And I was just like, oh, dude, don't do that. But you know, then there's another 200 people who are expecting us to continue the show. And it's like, oh man, that yeah. stuff that happens. And, and in that situation, I can't do, I can do very little about it, it feels right. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, you, you couldn't stop your show and say, hey, you know, you need to move your child away. I'm afraid we're going to damage his or her hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and it's the same thing there. It's like um, you you're, you wouldn't be able to stop the show and say, I can't do this for your child. I, I just would say that the best thing you can do, again, is just do what you do and what you do well and make it fun and um, hopefully participatory and... And then the kids with special needs, I, I think that it's up to the parents or the aides or the babysitters to make it meaningful for them. And I, I hate to say that because I know it's putting a lot of pressure on them. But from the classes that I taught, I teach, and especially my private class because the parents are right there, there's only so much that you as the performer can do. And then you, you're going to need the, the expert on this child mm-hmm. to step in and uh, make it meaningful for the child. Okay, so then let's take it to the very last question that I have for you on on the subject. And thank you so much for that, because that's sort of what I expected would be the response once I started to think through it. But it's always good to get that validation for someone who who does this on on a regular basis. Now, what if I wanted to put on, and I'm a rock and roll band, so I've got my, my drum kit, my bass, my guitar, my keyboard, and four, four singers. What if I wanted to put on a an event that was for sensory sensitive children? What if I wanted to say, okay, now we're because I know this is a thing that's out there. I've never been to one of them, so I don't really know what to expect or the best way to craft the engagement. But to take the same, you know, thirty songs that I'm that we normally play and say, okay, but now we're going to do it with uh, sensitivity towards 
for children who just can't handle the loud rock right. and roll. So sonically, how would I go about kind of crafting that, that, that performance? Okay, so I would say, first of all, you'd have to unplug uh, or... Mm-hmm. Or go go well go acoustic as acoustic as you can. You can certainly, you know, plug in an acoustic guitar, but it, it's going to be a different vibe, obviously. And you'll need to tone down what you do by you know by a lot. Possibly instead of having a drum kit, you know, maybe have a hand drum, a, a or yeah, just some hand drums. Um, also, you would probably want to have some instruments that the kids could play along, you know, mm-hmm. use. Shakers are really good. They're not too loud. Mm-hmm. You just see me and, you know, when I go into Guitar Center or any of these places, I'm trying all the shakers out to make sure that I, I find the ones that aren't too sharp mm-hmm. uh, for the kids. There are, now I don't know if you have this by you. Um, we have these parks. There are um, Magical Bridges parks. Have you heard of them? No. It's so it's an inclusive, it's an all abilities park hmm. where they have various rides that the kids can go on that, that are wheelchair accessible. Oh, sure. I, and you know, it, it's just phenomenal this, this park, and they do summer programs there. They have uh, children with learning disabilities and learning differences that are running the soundboard. Hmm. So if you wanted to put on a concert specifically for this population, again, I, I think that it would be a great idea to get as much information as possible prior. So if you, let's say, how I don't know quite how you would um, advertise this, but you might want to have parents contact you prior with ideas, with uh, songs that their kids particularly love or styles of music that they particularly love. And again, then you're, you're opening yourself up to not playing your music specifically. Mm-hmm. But when kids hear songs that they're really familiar with, that also makes them feel so good. Mm. It makes them feel like they know something. Mm-hmm. So that, I think, is is one of the things that you would probably want to do. Again, try to just gather as much information about the people that are going to be showing up, what their expectations are. Definitely cut the volume. And you, you, this might be something that you don't necessarily even want to be on stage. You, you might want to just be sitting in chairs and then having blankets down uh, for the for the children to be sitting down watching you. So almost making it into a more intimate, like a library event as opposed to a uh, concert. Do you, do you find it valuable to try and get to eye, as close to eye level with kids when you're performing? Yes. I'm sitting on a chair. The kids, the, the special needs kids are sitting in chairs. They're not on the floor like my other kids usually are. They are on chairs as well. So you are very much eye level with them. Yeah. I'm 6'4", so for me, it's a long <laughs> yes, way to get down into those little, those little plastic chairs are so small. They're just like they six are. inches off the ground. I feel like I'm I, in a Japanese restaurant. It's kind of cool <laughs> and kind of not. It's kind of, you know, anyway. Right. Well, me. you know, I'm lucky because they give me a real chair. 
Oh. They give me a grown-up chair to sit see, on. I don't even, see, I don't even ask for those things. I just I just go in. I'm like, okay, so. How am I going to sit in the, I've sat in those before <laughs> as well. Yeah, it's, <laughs> trying to get up is a little bit hard. <laughs> Kathy, thank you so much for taking time today to share your experience. This is something where it's, for me, it's actually, it's very intimidating and it's worrisome because I, you know, as I said at the start, I always want everybody to have the best possible experience, including me when I perform. Yes. And yes. just knowing how to, just the, the tips and tricks that you shared, knowing how to, to navigate it and really just to, to step into it with, uh, with a little bit more confidence has been very helpful for me. So I oh, totally so appreciate you taking the time to do this. Well, it was my pleasure, and I'm looking forward to hearing your, your podcasts. I think this is a fabulous um, thing that you're doing, because we oh. all have these same questions, and, and we all have lots of, lots, of, lots of questions about playing for children and, and making it a profession, for sure. That's true. Well, thank you very much, and uh, look forward to listening to your new album, too. Oh, thanks so much. Take care now. Kathy Sherman. Lending her advice to Barn Banter. I decided very recently not to create a theme song for every guest who appears on the Barn Banter. I came to that decision probably about seven, eight, nine seconds ago because it just didn't seem to make sense. Thank you, Kathy, for coming on and talking to us about playing for children with special needs and how to navigate those situations, how to... Do it healthfully and respectfully for everybody involved, which is so cool because some of my favorite fans I know are children who are somewhere on a spectrum. And I, I see them when they come to our shows and I just it makes me feel so good because they're there and they're having a good time. Or they're just, they're just there. And that makes me happy because they seem to appreciate what we do and I appreciate them showing up. So thanks, Kathy. We're looking forward to your new album. And now I'm also looking forward to Greek food for some reason. Because she was talking about Greek food. And I'm like, man, I love gyros. I eat gyros like once a year. And I'm really like, wow, I I totally want to have some now. So I decided to pull out my mandolin. Hold on. My mandolin. (laughs) That's better. And play. Obviously, I need to practice more. Maybe in the next episode, I'll practice the mandolin. And then you all can give me advice on it. You know, it's only got eight strings. How hard can it be to figure out? I should play with my toes. That would be fun. All right, this is Barn Banter with Cowboy Andy. A children's musician in quest of knowledge. Research. I, I wonder if I could put a different theme song on the back. I could put a different theme song over that sounded all space-agey and Spock-like. Oh, that would be cool. Cowboy Andy! Oh, I'm gonna have to put delay over that. I'm gonna do this again. Ready? Cowboy Andy! In search of truth! Euros! Free coffee! And my capo for my piano. A thing that I guess is out there. I, I didn't know it was out there. Okay, be sure you know what to do. Here it comes again. Say it with me. Like the podcast. Share the podcast. 
subscribe to the podcast, which surprisingly enough is free. Remember those magazine things you used to have to subscribe to as a kid? What was that the Publishers Clearinghouse? That was what that deal was all about, wasn't it? It was all about subscribe. Wait, oh, oh, music. It's music time. Woohoo! All right, until next time. Oh boy, you should pay attention. You should really get the new shows coming out. It's going to be so cool. Bye! Tucked in our beds at night Tall or small Boy or girl Brown, pink or black or white